This is Family Electric Ghost, and we're live on the air with Courtney McKenna for the first time. And how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing. I'm in lovely New Hampshire. We got a little bit of snow on the ground. Um, nice. But I wanted to mention first that we are on. <laughs> yeah, it's, we don't have as much snow as we used to. <laughs> yeah. But for um. Sure. Uh, uh, we are on Newsly, which is an app you can get in your iOS store, and then we are a featured podcast, so you can listen to Newsly and listen to this episode about a couple hours after it'll get created. And if you use coupon code GHOST, you can get one month free premium subscription, so you can stop scrolling and start listening. Now, um, this is the first time you've been on the show, so welcome to the Family yeah. Electric Ghost Show. Thank you. Uh, Happy to be here. We just like to talk. Oh, it's awesome talking to new people all the time. And we started, you know, with musicians. So it's always great to have musicians. We've opened it up to other types of people. But musicians, yeah. uh, you know, are kind of our first loves of who we started the podcast back in 2016. Uh, initial nice. Bam Electric Ghost podcast have been around since then. But you are a Los Angeles-based artist. And you're also a marketer. But uh, I, I figured I might you. talk about, like, your 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 new album that or EP that's coming out and we can phase into some of the other things but sure, uh, your single yeah. like CSR and you got an EP coming out in uh, summer 2023 uh, mm -hmm. with your back band Sweet Myths and maybe can first thing I always ask musicians before we even get to that is like what age <laughs> did you get into music at what age oh, did you man. get into music well I guess music at what level <laughs> I started, uh, you know, singing in church when I was like three years old, and um, just ever since then, I've I've always loved music. I've always loved singing. Um, I was in band throughout middle school, high school. Before that, I played the cello for I think maybe a few months. <laughs> it was very short, but I played clarinet for eight years. I was in choir. I did like one year of musical theater, and. Um, yeah, it really, you know, I tried to learn the guitar in high school and it was too hard, but I was, you know, already doing all the other music stuff and writing a little bit and starting to perform out. And then um, it wasn't really until after college when I moved to New York City that I realized like, okay, this is something, you know, that I could actually do because I started meeting artists that were putting music out there and, you know, making careers out of it. So it was like, I graduated with a marketing degree, moved to New York City, and I was like, all right, I'm ready to start my life as a musician. <laughs> Pretty much. And that's, yeah, the, that's awesome. the very short, short, condensed version. <laughs> yeah, I started on a woodwind. I started on a clarinet as well. Um, oh, cool. And nice. then, then I realized it's like, I can, you know, unless I, I, I want to be like, like a, a jazz person, I can't yeah. write on it i i, I wrote mm -hmm. stuff on it i actually tried to i actually wrote but then i was like you know i need to actually use a writing instrument so i tried a guitar and i couldn't get it yeah but i seem to be more start. yeah i seem to be more competent at keyboards so I, I i i was able just to jump on a keyboard and i was able to understand it and my brother yeah. actually picked up the guitar he actually got really good oh, at it I'm like wow nice. we created a band and we planned and he went off to something else became a lawyer and i got into it but I still kept doing music since I was yeah. 17, 55. I never stopped. Amazing. But um, I think it's just a, something that if you really, whether you make money at it or not, I just never stopped. And I found different ways to, to get into things. And I'm, yeah. I'm still doing the work because, you know, it's, it's not work. It's like fun to me. So it's like totally. I do it whether I make any money or not. <laughs> There's so much to explore too. You know, it's like I just got a piano last year. I had a, a little keyboard before. Um, and before that I had a MIDI keyboard. So I've kind of, I graduated, I found a, a free piano on Facebook marketplace and it worked. I drove to Long Beach to test it out. Cause I was like, I'm not going to pay to have this giant thing move to my house. if It's not going to work. Tune, it doesn't sound yeah. like <laughs> it, well, it was a little out of tune for sure, but all the keys worked and it was in, in pretty good shape. So, um, yeah, I've been learning piano and, um, I used to have a drum kit in my practice space and now I've been exploring i have a new practice space that i haven't been to yet but i've been kind of talking to some friends about joining that so 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I love songwriting and I think just any way that you can express yourself through music, there's so many different platforms, but I've, you know, I think you can probably relate, like starting out with a, a wood instrument, it's just like, it's we're so connected to our own breath when, it, when yeah. we're playing or singing. And I feel like that for me, it was just like, so it still is today. I feel like it's so profound. It's like, um, I like to use breath controllers. Yeah. So they have some really <laughs> modern MIDI breath controllers that you oh. can bring. You can actually Yamaha and Roland make these breath controllers. that are amazing. Some of cool. them like have really good capability and they can, uh, some of them even use like MPE, which is like the new MIDI. They can, it's super expressive. Like the new wow. form of MIDI called MPE can actually take in all kinds of stuff. It can take in like uh, polyphonic aftertouch systems that actually can wiggle a piano key. And if you wiggle it, it actually has a behavior. So it can actually be, you can throw like vibrato into it. So if you have a wind type of instrument and you have an MPE type of MIDI, it will take in what you're doing with your tongue, what you're doing with your breath, all those things, and give you that full artistic control. So you're not just on and off. The idea with with, with MPE is like, you're not just an on and off button. You actually have levels of expression. Or organic, like you actually were on a fiddle and, mm-hmm. and playing with a drink or you're on a wind instrument and you're playing with your mouthpiece and you're doing different things that a sax player or a clarinet player would do. Wow. So I think there's cool opportunities in the future where it's not just all DJs and CDJs. Mm-hmm. There's all these advances like with MPE and expression type of synthesizers that have like all kinds of capability to wow. allow you to become a, a better musician so you can actually do everything that uh, you know somebody on Stradivarius is doing you can yeah. actually do on your keyboard you know you can do Wild. all kinds <laughs> of like, levels of pressure all kinds mm-hmm. of different things you can program into that based on your feel as a musician yeah. and I think that human touch is never going to get replaced by like AI to me yeah no, I, yeah. I agree. I think, oh man, that's a whole, that's a whole discussion. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just think that music is like, you know, the direct connection to, to the soul and whatever you believe, whether that's, you know, spiritual or not, it's, it feels pretty undeniable to me. So, you know. So what, yeah, what do you, I, I guess I, I kind of going down the rabbit hole, but there's, I yeah. was talking to a couple people and there was this person that's not really, not really, not a musician, but they were a technician, they were a technologist. Mm-hmm. And they yeah. were making the argument that AI could totally replace like 80% of musicians in the world by just putting out stuff. And I said, well, yeah, if you want to just put out clone type of music that we, right. that we have today already, we mm-hmm. have some, some people who just clone other mm-hmm. people's work or, yeah. or a producer and just keep on using the same techniques and it right. sounds all the same. Yeah, you could have that, but are you ever going to get a Jim Morrison or a Bob Dylan or a Hendrix or a Nat King Cole in that kind of environment if, if that's what you're going to do? I, I, I don't, I think there's always going to be a human touch. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, you know, there's definitely like, you know, I didn't go to school for music. So I, I think that I have my own approach to it and I've been taking music theory lessons, which has helped me to sort of find more options when it comes to songwriting and that sort of thing. But um, I do know that there's, you know, that's one way of doing it is just like copying other people. But in the same way, it's like all of my inspiration comes from somewhere. Like I've learned it from somewhere. So even though I'm not directly or consciously copying somebody else, you know, it's still already been done in one way or another. So I think that, I think AI can, you know, can do a lot, but at the end of the day, like you said, it is just mimicking and putting something else out there that's already been done. And if you, if you believe in that there's a, a higher power of any kind out there. I think that, you know, it's like the muse. Like to... the muse. Yeah. If you think yeah. about musicians, we, we, I, we tend to think, think in kind of mystical ways. Like you think about, mm-hmm. if you think about like uh, Bob, um, Bob Marley, he's yeah. very spiritual. Like even mm-hmm. Stevie Wonder, super spiritual in their music. So they're yeah. kind of taking the muse or a universal thing, right? I don't yeah. think that a computer is ever going to have something no, as soulful or spiritual as a Bob Marley. It is, it, it's just not going to happen because it's not not human. 
So we, yeah. I don't think they can get to that kind of spiritual or muse inspired type of mm-hmm. ability. Yeah. It, it would be like a, a false light sort of situation. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> you know, maybe it's like, it would mimic Marley, but it wouldn't be become like a new that was new. Yeah. You know, what yeah. he did was, was it, it was it, the thing about music that's interesting. Nothing has, we, everything has been done before, but mm-hmm. reggae, it was when he did his stamp on it, it's very uniquely his, right? Yeah. It ended up taken from soul and taking from other things. But I think what it is when a musician, you know, you take the blues, everybody approaches the blues. It's the same form. Right. Sometimes you talk about the same thing, going to the crossroads or doing something in a certain kind of Mississippi Delta type yeah. of idea. Right. Mm-hmm. But Stevie Ray Vaughan doing Voodoo Child versus Hendrix doing Voodoo Child. It's the same song, but it doesn't sound the same. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. So it's it really the interpretation of, of the musician has a lot like a Curtis Mayfield is his approach is different than a Hendrixian approach is yeah. different than a Prince approach is different than, you know, a, a, a Jimmy Page approach. They yeah. all are great musicians and they could all play the same songs, but they don't sound the same when they play them. Yeah. No, I, and I think that one of the the reasons why we feel so connected to music is because it, at a soul level, you know, we're like vibing with it. We're connecting with it. If you try to like connect to something that's not authentically real, people can sense that, you know, it might not be so easy at first. I think we're all going to probably be fooled more often than not when it comes to AI, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, because it is so new and it's mind blowing, but just like anything else, like humans adapt. AI yeah. is really smart, but. Well, I think uh, what happens yeah. even today, like I, I think there were some, some numbers out there where a lot of music fans are kind of turning away from mm-hmm. some of the modern music. And they said that like the, songs from the 90s and the 80s and the 70s are actually getting played more and people yeah. are, are, are starting to realize that like what's what's about that era it's the era of the singer songwriter right mm-hmm. it's the era where the beatles did sergeant peppers and then you have albums and then you're like you know like like tapestry totally. or you have like the bob dylan's of the world well and it's Bruce like Springs all live live players yeah. on those albums you know it's like through the 80s and even into the 90s you have full orchestras backing like michael jackson or madonna you know yeah. it's like nothing There's something about it it's more substantial um mm-hmm. i think it's also the thing is like when you actually construct a song and it's not just clips like i think the thing that people i i kind of veer away from the daw just because i like jazz fusion and i like jam band like all my brothers type stuff you know or yeah. like steely dan i like something when it's composed yeah. Where it actually has structure. You have an intro, you have like a chorus, you have like like a like a fill, a fill two. Form. You have a structure. Yeah. If you mm-hmm. go back and listen to the 70s, you listen to a carpenter song, it's full of changes. Yeah. It has structure. I love And I think that's what some of the people, <laughs> yeah, the people today on some of the, some of the modern songs, they're all beat driven. They sound great. They maybe sound too perfect. Mm-hmm. Because I always mm-hmm. point out to when I'm working with somebody, like Exo on Main Street. Could yeah. I actually take Keith Richards, what he's doing on Exo on Main Street, and put that in a DAW and track it? You can't. It no. won't work. No, so. I love it when, yeah, it's like <laughs> that. the famous thing I always think about is like Rolling Stones is like, time is on my side. And they're playing the tambourine like totally offbeat. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's so classic. Yeah, it's just, they're just kind of, it's like that kind of ragged, Keith approach is it's not exactly mm-hmm. on time. It's kind of mm-hmm. like jazz. It's a lot like jazz. A lot about doing is very as a very R and B and very soul. Where you know, Curtis Mayfield is not. He's kind of all over the map, but it sounds great. You listen to like anything he did, um, like Superfly, and it's it's mm-hmm. very organic. It's very kind of fusion based. Even Hendrix with Mitchell Mitchell. The drums, it's like it's very much jazz oriented, and it's not yeah. set you know, on a structure, right? It it, it kind of bounces from different time timing. It will go into you know multi polyrhythms. It will go into key changes. It will change rhythm. It will change timing. And yeah. today, there's people who are so into like I'm going to stay at 160 or 200. I'm going to stay at that BPM. I'm going to stay in the same key. I'm going to do it. It's like what? Why? Yeah. Because the machine's telling you to do that doesn't mean it's perfect. 
I mean, well, actually, if it's perfect, it's probably not the best thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting thing because I think that it just goes to show you, you know, how dynamic we are as human beings. It's like some people really love that sort of striving for perfection, but it's like everyone has a different definition of what perfection is, you know, and yeah. some people resonate more with like the Keith Richards and the sort of more soul, soul cycle. Yeah. yeah. More soulful, but, but also think about it. Like I was, I was watching an interview with Elton John on um, yellow brick road. Okay. And he recorded this like in a mansion and the whole band recorded it. It's all uh, maybe the third take. He said, we didn't do more than a third take on any of these songs. They were all live recorded Amazing. by the band in a mansion with the studio being brought into the mansion and Peter mm. Gabriel did that with so he actually took a, got a house and recorded it with a bunch of musicians in a house for goals. like a year <laughs> life goals right and, there and yeah, <laughs> yeah and like the band like big pink was recorded mm -hmm. you know in a in the house in the basement the basement Upstate. tapes are all done in the basement in this house house in New York and mm -hmm. there's something to be said when I, I show like young musicians like Listen to the band on like the basement tapes. That is like Americana, authentic, real music with Bob Dylan, just kind of stream of consciousness coming up with all these tracks. And it's, yeah. it's hard to say that stuff today is any better than that. It's like some of that stuff is so gold. It's hard to yeah. get better than what he did. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I so mean, I, you I know, one thing I've been really thinking yeah. about this year is like, what is devotion to your craft? You know, because like, I think that's one thing that you see Bob Dylan, you see all these artists. It's just, they, they've written so many songs or they've played so many different guitar solos. And so, you know, for me, like it's, I think one of the disadvantages I've had by like not going to music school is that I didn't get that like military training that it seems like a lot of my peers have where, you know, you're just, you're waking up, you're playing all day, you're playing with people. And so I've kind of, I've been working on that, you know, as I can. Um, but I've really had to carve out time for my own practice and whether that's writing or practicing music, singing. And, you know, one day, like, it would be amazing to just go in and record with a bunch of amazing musicians. You know, I'm sure the inspiration would just be like oh, fireworks. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. well, and, and that's kind of what we did with well, the, uh, well, you uh talk about like, you, you do work with that. Yeah. So sweet myths has been my backing band, um, for the past year. And we, we've definitely gotten to the point where we're gelled. Like when, we played so many shows this summer, especially we were, you know, really like on fire. I think when we went into the studio and um, we just, we had like one rehearsal and setup day when we like set up all the gear and laid down just a, a take. And then we did overdubs for each instrument. So, um, you know, that was something I've been wanting to do for a while. Yeah. Because, you know, the yeah, last three songs I, I put like out. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, it I, very I, love much, I love that message. Yeah. That method is awesome. It's very much like a, a live track feeling, but then it, you know, just being able to focus on like each instrument individual, I think it still like gives it a little bit of a a studio quality of tracking, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um it was different. The last three songs I put out was more of like me working directly with the producer. So okay. we also did like one instrument at a time but um we started with midi drums and then like worked on those to to get them to feel a little bit more organic but you know there's just something like th there's more restrictions when you're playing with a full band and i think that that is something that makes it really magical actually in the end because you know yeah, that like I think the everything yeah everything in there the, is, the, is raw after like <laughs> One of the things I learned as a musician is like limitations sometimes are like the best thing, right? Sometimes like I, if I purposely only use an eight track recorder, like only can do eight tracks, right? I'm only yeah. I'm using an analog machine that can only do so much. It has restrictions. Like I have a, like, I got a Moog analog drum machine can only do eight steps. That it, it, That's all it can do. But then within that restriction, nice. you can get super creative. You can yeah. say, oh, I'm going to have it. 
have an LFO run or an envelope run, and then suddenly those eight steps sound like 256 steps. And yeah. so you use the limitation and you use the technology like CV to get MIDI creative. to get creative. And I run and like, you know, a, a sample and hold circuit or random voltage generator into something. And then I'm using analog drums and, a, and it actually sounds like a real person because it's randomly bouncing around based on a random voltage coming from a Euro rack that makes it have like a real feel. And so it, it, if I just kept it to eight steps, it would sound very industrial. But if I start mm. introducing envelopes and LFOs and sample and holds and all kinds of other things that you can trick into it, that's my whole thing is like, I'm a very experimental yeah. musician, like to play with yeah. analog systems that to, to get like life out of a machine. Mm. The, the analog is still a machine, but it yeah. has a little bit more life than digital, in, in my opinion. Mm. What you can do to it can it can actually a Moog bass can sound like a real bass player playing a bass. Like if, mm. you, you, if you correctly, it can channel yeah. what a real bass player can do. And so, that, you know, being a single person as a musician that mm -hmm. I've chosen the analog to kind of give it more life. Yeah. It's probably a little warmer. <laughs> yeah. It just has more of that feel, but it's just, you know, you can do anything. I have digital stuff and I, and I like whatever serves the song. So if people mm -hmm. say, oh, you're a purist, it's like, no, I have, I have a Kai MPCs and stuff. I, I can go and do clip-based stuff and I will do it when that yeah. serves the song. So yeah. if I have a song that I want to be kind of modern, I'll use like my Akai equipment and you know, it's clip-based. Mm. It's like an Ableton type structure. But sure. if I want to do something that's more jazz, I'll go to a multi-track and just play a Moog into it and yeah. multi-track. And um, it's just kind of whatever you feel that day. And the thing as a musician, yeah. what do you feel about like cross-genre? Do you like to do cross-genre type things that kind of mixing different genres? Yeah, I mean, that's something I'm definitely exploring. Like right now, I'm um, in this three-month workshop to write my first full record, which is really exciting. Um, I've written, I have like an acoustic project out that's nine songs. So technically that's a full record, but um, yeah. that's, that's a... It was more of a recording project because we did uh, use tape machines. And so it has this very like vintage analog sound to it. And I think this is what we were talking about before we got on air. But um, basically, it, it's so funny because I was so excited and really proud of that project. Like it was just me and the guitar and um, Will McNair. He, he goes by um, Sermon 3 Records in New York, recorded it for me. And he had just, you know, been dreaming of getting this analog setup for years so I was the first person that he got to like test it out on and yeah and so some of the um songs that I shared with people after we finished them the responses I got were like oh this is just a demo right <laughs> I was like nope this is the I final thing are kind of, <laughs> they're I think you know they're looking so, for that polished um, like yeah very modern yeah we're kind of in the age I I like the Nebraska you know, it was done on a Tascam mm. four tracker in a hotel with like Bruce Springsteen. It's very lo-fi. While well, I was on tour. Right? And yeah. a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that that, you know, is is, is classic. I like it. I like a lot of lo-fi bands. I, I like the original mm -hmm. REM on like IRS records. They were very lo-fi. Like the replacements, like Tim, before they got on Warner Brothers. I, I, I have a habit of listening to a lot of kind of old school bands. Like the Velvet Underground to me. You know, that's oh, yeah. not super high quality. It's very kind of low, kind of fi, Hindi. Mm -hmm. And there's a place where yeah. that people still, and then there's, yeah. there's a lot of people's ears have been kind of trained by the DAW. So they, yep. they want polish. That doesn't mean yep. that your stuff isn't good. It's just they, their ears have been trained to, to right. hear that. But I still think that what you have, the right audience to hear is it. You know, worldwide, you could find different audiences all over the world. That would probably totally. dig what you did. Um, yeah, probably, and, you I, know, I wouldn't. I just because a couple of people wouldn't get it, think that that's the, the, the only opinion. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. I, I'm. I'm really proud of it. I think, you know, um, one of the songs that, or actually two of the songs that I recorded originally just acoustically in that um, nine track album or project, <laughs> um, we are recreating with the full band, and then 
you know, it'll be through the process that I shared with you where we go in and do like a first take live track and then overdub. And um, that I think is a good mix because um, the, my friend Mario, uh, he's mixing, mastering everything for us. And he has kind of this like pop sensibility for vocals, which for me is really important because I want mm -hmm. people to be able to like hear the lyrics. But, um, yeah. but you know, you definitely still get like that live band sound. And so I think it's a good transition. Um, I think that the next stuff that I write for this full record, it's going to be a little bit more dynamic as far as like, the sound goes, you know, like you were saying, cross genre. More layered. Um, yeah, yeah more and, layered. and that's just because like a lot of the the different influences that I, I love, I'm writing first with like the intention of creating this concept album and also really awesome. like honoring, yeah, each one as like a story, you know? So it's like some of them, like I really love ESG and like more of that stripped down sort of disco rock Um Mm -hmm. And then this, all the stuff that I've been performing is a little bit more like country blues esque. Um, oh, I love somewhat blues. grunge inspired. Yeah. So you like, know, uh, I think Nirvana, Nirvana like or whole like or like uh, Stone Temple uh, Pilots. Yeah, a little Nirvana. I feel like one of the runs we we did for the the ballad I put out last year was definitely um, like Radiohead inspired. <laughs> you know, oh, so Radiohead, that's a great band. That's yeah, a great for band, sure. You know, because they mix a lot. They, they yeah, do, yeah, they do a lot of layers. They do a lot of analog, a lot of modular, and a lot of progressive rock and experimental mm -hmm. rock. And what I would like about Radiohead is a super progressive experimental band that actually had success with experimentation yeah, uh, yeah. and and, that, and they always and like, always were just people would say that you can't do yeah that you can't do what they did like they had songs that are very long they used that well you can't have a song this long and have it be a hit and then they did right and so yeah. they kind of broke, broke rules you know but a lot of people have broken those rules and freddie mercury broke that rule the eagles broke that rule and like the yeah. idea that your songs can only be two minutes you know, if you think about yeah. it, there's a lot of songs that are, that are longer than two minutes. Um, sure. You know, Paul McCartney and Wings. They look at how many songs he has that are, you know, in the Beatles. They're not, they're not short. And when you get to the yeah. end of their career, Abbey Road, you know, is the beginning of that kind of progressive era where you can have mm -hmm. these songs have these different changes and different parts. You can yeah, see it's on like Abbey three Road, songs in one sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you see that structure. Yeah. You know, you get bands like Yes and Genesis do that, and Pink Floyd do do it. So, you mm -hmm. know, Pink Floyd, how big are they? And they have these big, epic, long songs. They're oh, yeah. yeah. Like, operas. they're rock operas. And so yeah. that, that genre to me is never going to go away. It just depends on how good an artist you are and if can it connect. And like, there are rock yeah. operas that never connected, but there are ones that did connect. And uh, it's just really how can you reach it? Because, you know, that stuff works really good live. And I was yeah. going to say about your... your um first record like if you ever wanted to do an unplugged that would be like a perfect set of material to do like an unplugged yeah you know, when you get you get to that arena because people like that i mean people are doing electric lady shows mm -hmm. where they just go and they do like an unplugged version of the record yeah and they make have people playing like a live violin with an acoustic guitar and a piano and just ripping it down mm -hmm. there's a market where people like that you know and I, yeah and I, I love playing shows solo, you know, not all the time, but <laughs> it just, it's a nice change because sometimes like playing with drums, I mean, it's really fun, but it also can be feel like I'm screaming, you know, cause it's so loud. It depends on the, the stage in. venue too. <laughs> yeah. And like how they have it set up. But um, sometimes when it's just, you know, me and the guitar player doing a duo set or something like that, it's like, I really just get to focus on singing and that's, you know, that's really why I learned the guitar in the first place was just so that I could accompany myself singing. So yeah, you do um, like a tiny desk for NPR, you know, mm -hmm. you'll do that. Yeah, they, I like the, those type of platforms when people can really see like a musician. If you, if you get these big festival stages, that's cool. You get fun to tons of people. Oh, really? but when yeah. you get into like a 300 seat cl club or even like a 50 seat club, and you just get intimate with the, you know, I used to go to New York and play these small places, maybe 300, 400 people yeah. at the max. And it was just, you know, cool to be able to, 
get the reaction of the people and, and it's mm -hmm. not it's, it feels it's, really yeah, interactive yeah, yeah you 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 can really as a musician i was wondering how you feel when you play live do you like that kind of audience feedback does it help you with your oh absolutely yeah i mean i think that's why it was so weird for me like i've done um you know live streaming performances mm -hmm. and that sort of thing it it feels so weird <laughs> because no i no yeah feedback. like even like you know we've done busking and that sort of thing and i love it like if people aren't paying attention to me i'm like hello i'm here <laughs> you know like <laughs> i'm gonna give you something to react to and i don't know it's just i think of it as a game it's fun and i think people i just think of you know I like to make noise sometimes, but for the most part, I just, I have to believe that like, if I'm creating, if I'm putting it out there, I'm like blessing you with the sound because this is not, yes, it's coming from me, but like, I didn't just get this voice. Like yeah. this is a gift. It's you know? from the muse. Yeah. I mean, I feel like yeah. there's a muse, you know, I, mm -hmm. I, I, I like I, a lot of times I, I've decided to do is I do like live, live recording sessions. And I just go live. And I just let the muse kind of come through me. Mm -hmm. And I, I get so into it that I don't worry about the audience. I, like I'm so into playing my my hammer yeah. B3 or, or my thing that I let I let the creative process and I just film it. And I found nice. that, that live recording has mm -hmm. a kind of benefit. I was reading about Frank Zappa and he liked to live mm -hmm. record stuff. And he cool. would just take the tapes back to his house and yeah. say, oh, this goes with this and this goes with that. And Neil Young used to do that too with Crazy Horse. They would just go and they would tape everything. Yeah. And then they go back and say, hey, this goes with this and this goes with that. And they actually find the songs. Then they would go That's work cool. on them. And it's another way of, of kind of driving. Like, like if you sit there and you're trying to write, like if you just go, if you go live on your thing, it just forces it to you don't start and stop all the time. You just yeah. kind of go with an idea and see where it goes. And you never That's know. I mean, position where you're gonna go you know totally i mean that's that's how i've been writing up until this point like this next record is um a little bit more like lyric first which is cool it's just a different process but yeah up until now like i i'll just get my guitar i've written a, a few songs on the piano and i'm just jamming like for 10 15 minutes the same song you know like 15 different verses <laughs> and then yeah, from yeah. there i'll like i'll listen back because i have i usually use just voice memos on my phone and then you know, type things up and kind of edit it together. But um, yeah, I think, I don't know. I, I love that process. So th this one though, you know, I wanted to try something different. I've really like wanted to be more intentional with my art across the board, you know, how I show up on social media and especially in this mm -hmm. album as like my first fully produced with multiple, you know, instruments and tracks. Um, it's well, I think yeah, how how each song happens is kind of like like it serves the song, like mm -hmm. you know, like I've been in bands where everybody like okay, everybody brought like something to the table, yeah, everybody had their own demos, and then 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 we would have jam sessions and we would tape the you know we so we'd work on the songs work and we work on the jam <laughs> sessions, then we'd have like a meeting. It's like well, some of the the kind of kind of really structured songs would make it. But a lot of the jams ended up making it. The things that we didn't think were going to be anything, and then they became something. That's and cool. And so, like you know, it's so like the collaborative it's like, magic it's like of a band. Serves, <laughs> yeah, it's whatever serves the song, you know. Because sometimes yeah. somebody has a song that's so structured and it works. Okay, fine. Mm -hmm. Everybody puts it, and it was very, very thought out and very structured. And other things were just kind of like it just came out of nowhere, and suddenly, like wow, we didn't even know we were going to do that. And yeah. then that's the one that it actually works. And so they, however it comes, it's like, I don't try to try to think about it. Like sometimes it comes from very intentional work and sometimes it's very unintentional. And yeah. it's kind of like a mix of in, in, anywhere in between. Well, and that's one thing. Yeah. Um, so the, the mentor that I'm working with for this writing group, her name is Greta. And uh, she, she plays keys in Vampire Weekend and she's, she was saying that exact thing. It's like, you know, everyone has their own process when it comes to writing. So we'll see. I mean, at the end of the day, if I end up picking up my guitar and just channeling some new songs, I still wrote the album, you know, but I'm going to try this new. Yeah, yeah. New, you uh, just never know. Like you can have a plan yeah. and then you, you can have these plans. And then the, the planned song, this is one thing that always kind of got me is like, 
yeah. you go back and read music history, there's people like they 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 really worked on, and then suddenly, like at the end of recording session, something just came out of nowhere, and yeah. they didn't even <laughs> think about it. They just put it down, and then they like they they want to put out the the really kind of well-intended song and then the the marketing mm -hmm. people say well you know that last song you did that's the one and you're like well right. that was just a jam that's just a jam. and then a lot of yeah. times that, that that song that the artist didn't like or didn't think was the mm -hmm. greatest one like sometimes we're not the best uh person to pick our own work is the yeah. kind of lesson what i've learned over time is like when you work with other bunch of people sometimes your favorite song is not what the fans end up like your own in totally. your own catalog the song that you might not want, think is the one is probably could be the one <laughs> yeah yeah so it's good to yeah, have other people around listen <laughs> totally well and that's that's one thing too that i've loved really working with sweet myths is just to have you know bounce ideas off them and um they've been a band already for six years and then before that they were in another band together so um you know they it's just it's been really cool to to have that community and um i have a a hire that has been helping me an assistant um her name is corinne and yeah you know having a team is is crucial i think as a musician like just to yeah, get yeah. things done and for accountability and like <laughs> yeah it's good to have like a production team and you know have mm -hmm. a, a recording engineer and a producer and then have other people to like bounce things off of uh, just because, like I say, you know, you never know, um, like I've got a best friend I've had for like over 20 years and I mm -hmm. always like send things over and say, Hey, you know, is this really working? And none that he's the only one, but there's a lot, you know, having people that can hear your raw demo and actually give you real feedback, you know, yeah. because like yeah. everybody's going to want to hear that. There's people like, I'm not, I don't, what do I want to hear that for? But, <laughs> but, uh, it's cool to be around like-minded you know, creatives that understand mm -hmm. what you're trying to do. Yeah. And cause not everybody yeah. in the world is that way. You can, you can, you, you get, you give oh, something yeah. to somebody and like 10 seconds into it, they're already talking and they didn't hear anything. I'm like, okay, I guess they're not the best <laughs> person to give me. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, no, it's, it's, uh, I think it's important, you know, the, the collaboration process, but I, I definitely am, um, selective i guess if you will to who i share ideas with just mm -hmm. you know I, I i like it when people are honest with me and um i can ten, generally tell if people are you know interested or not <laughs> really yeah yeah you like, like one of the things like by your ep that you talk about for the 2023 you say it's like southwest inspired rock and you actually yeah. mentioned like the CSR corporate social responsibilities, like a surf rock type of tune. So is that yeah. like um, your your surf rock or Southwest? Is that your primary like genre area? Um, I think it's been a, a big part of my life, and and definitely um, up until this point. Like like I said, a lot of the influence that I picked up while I was in New York, I think that is what I want to incorporate in the, the new stuff. Um, mm. But you know, just like I grew up listening to country and the blues and um, even jazz and classical. And I think just sort of that Southwest feel, you know, to me, it's like, yeah, country, a little bit of like, yeah, you know, this Southern, kind of like, like rock like, vibes. Like, like, like an eagle vibe a little bit, maybe like eagle. Yeah, a little bit. Um, I think the, Lonely Rider and On the Fence are very much like, like you can imagine driving through the desert or like, you know, mm -hmm. riding a horse or being like an outlaw <laughs> in an old spaghetti yeah. Western, you know, it's like, yeah. th those are kind of the, the visuals um, that I think of. And I don't know if when I wrote those songs that was intentional or if that's just what came out of me. Cause that's, you know, I, where I grew up is in Tucson, mm -hmm. Arizona. Um, and the CSR single that was, I wrote that initially, um, in response to the no dot movement a few years back, um, the, mm -hmm. the pipeline that they were building, um, in the Dakotas. And so, um, 
you know, it wasn't necessarily like going to be a surf rock tune. It just, at the time I was playing in a, an all girls like pop punk band. And like, and that's that pretty much track. the level. That, yeah. yeah. It was just like, I feel like screaming and playing this guitar as hard as I can. And I don't know how to play very well. So this is what's going to well, come punk, out. Punk's always been a good place. <laughs> when you think about the clash, when the first class first started, yeah. you know, they, they didn't have the, the sophistication that they had by the time they got to combat rock or Sandinista, they were just like a yeah. straight punk band. Um, yeah. Just but there's something about punk. <laughs> up front. Yeah, I mean, I like bands like, you know, I've always been to bands like Who's to Do and The Replacements and, uh, you know, uh, a lot of stuff on SST. Yeah. Uh, so I've always been into that kind of what I call the punk aesthetic, which is mm. this kind of Kurt Cobain kind of gave it a face. That yeah. is a legitimate art form because you can be very emotional. You can be very direct mm -hmm. and it's, you know, honest because it kind of yeah. came out of like all the hair bands, like the rats and the Motley Cruz of the world. They all seem kind of like overly produced and kind of mm -hmm. like maybe had this image. It's kind of yeah. okay, kind of cartoon like, and you're yeah. like, okay, well, what, what is, can't we get something more real? Can we get like a Neil Young yeah. kind of, kind of like, you know, Buffalo Springfield real. <laughs> you know right or, right or, or crazy horse reel and so yeah i loved about like kurt he brought that kind of crazy horse aesthetic that his punk was really deep and mm -hmm. i think neil young mm -hmm. actually ad identified with him and had conversations with him because he could see that where he was going yeah you know he, yeah. he could see that he, yeah. he would have been that 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 level of artist going in that direction doing that mm -hmm. kind of crazy horse kind of ex experimental work um, yeah, which I think is is a kind of awesome when you can do that. And I was always into the Flying Burrito Brothers, Grand Parsons. I always okay. like Grand Parsons, great. Um, kind of did this cosmic country. Yeah, which this, yeah. <laughs> kind of like the Eagles kind of took it and tamed it down, but what mm -hmm. he did with, with the Flying Burrito Brothers was really unique. And I've always been like a very big fan of that kind of country. I mean, he used to hang with Keith Richards and a lot of what what you know, Exile Main Street is influenced by Graham Parsons. It's influenced yeah. by his kind of mindset. So I've always been a very big fan of that kind of, when people go that direction. Yeah. Well, for me, it's just, I don't know. I, I think the storytelling and the honesty is a big part of it. Um, just from where the song comes from, but performing, I just, I get, such a high from it you know and so it's yeah, well, like that's, that's, then you know you really should be doing it <laughs> yeah and, and I want whenever we are playing a show like I just I love I just I want to the audience to feel the same way that I do you know and I feel like rock is can be loud and it can be over the top but it's like it's real <laughs> and it's like the best feeling when you know the band just locks in and it's like even if somebody messes up you just you yeah, go we with go it. with it. I mean, yeah, that's the whole point of rock is rock is yeah. kind of like outlaw country, you know. Rock mm -hmm. is like you know, and I love outlaw country. country. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the Folsom Prison yeah. Blues, you know. I love Johnny Cash, the Man in Black. I like all his kind of kind of like outlaw thing. Was like, yeah, I'm mm -hmm. just gonna go and do it. Yeah, and I'm gonna go and say these things, you know, have these songs. They're like, wow. Yeah, he's like you know, like boy named Sue is like, wow, that's a crazy song. The, the, the type of topics he could take on. Yeah, because he was able to go into a different mindset. Was like, it's not just about I lost my girlfriend. I'm going right. to go into these stories, and I always liked the country music that was a story. You know, it was yeah. actually telling a story, Americana. That's mm -hmm. a, a story where you actually. That's why I like the idea you're talking about concepts because some of the things going on today in this kind of beat focused music world, is yeah, people have lost the story. They're just going for like, like the crip note. They're going for like the quick. Right. Like, let's make the hit. <laughs> Like you know, fast food music. It it it, it feels good when you first for get a second. It. <laughs> yeah. Is it going to actually sustain itself more than twenty years? Like, will yeah. you remember that five yeah. years, ten years from now? Like something more substantial. Like, would it be a Folsom Prison Blues? Probably not. You know, would yeah. it be Combat Rock? Probably not. You know, would it be yeah. anything current? Probably not. So that that's why I'm I'm, ho I'm hopeful when I see artists like you that are st are still trying to do 
what, what I call like, you know, heart music, you know, that totally. a control. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, especially if, you know, when I curl my hair and like put my contacts in and stuff, like there's a lot of pressure to be this like beautiful woman. And I think I'm lucky that I'm my mother's daughter, <laughs> but at the same time, like, I don't, you know, I don't see myself that way. Like when I'm at home, I'm just like doing my thing. I'm in yoga pants. Like, of course I love dressing. So do you have to do with the, other, the, but, the stagecraft. So the stagecraft thing, like yeah. a lot of artists, like even if you like, you know, like Mick Jagger yeah. presents himself in this kind of other, other him, other, mm -hmm. other, other version of himself. If you, yeah. if you actually talk to him, he's like a business guy. Yeah. He's like yeah. a foolish gentleman business guy. He doesn't project that at all. Right? right. Right. But when he goes on stage, he becomes this he's like a Freddie Mercury transition. You know, he, you mm -hmm. know, even like Prince, you project all these characters or Bowie or Lady Gaga. So totally. do you feel like when you go on stage, you have to project like the other stage you version? I don't feel like I have to. I think I could just go on and and just like show up and and sing because I I know that that's like what I'm there to do. But I think for me, it's fun because you do step into this other persona. Like it's, I enjoy that. I, you know, I used to make costumes. Um, I actually was, when I first moved to New York, I was there because I thought I wanted to work in fashion. So I was a costume designer for a little bit. And I realized like, okay, music is really where it's at. And that more so, you know. Um, so yeah, for me, it's just, it's fun to put on fake eyelashes and do the whole thing, but it's all a lot of effort too, you know? So it's like, yeah, it's a lot of work to do this. Yeah. Time. And just like time management. It's like, okay, so I got to drive there, but I also have to get ready for an hour. And then it's like, you know, to, I don't know. I, um, I think it's, for me, it's, it's part of it. And, but I also, you know, if I if it wasn't fun for me, I don't think I would do it because I think you it's like, it, yeah, it's yeah because well, and it's not just that. It's just I think the the pressure of like being a woman, you know, it's like yeah. people have a certain yeah, exactly. And for me, it's like okay, well, I'm gonna show up glammed out and like a, a fun outfit because I why not? <laughs> but mm -hmm. I'm also gonna show up like as with the attitude of like it doesn't matter what I wear because I'm just here to like make some badass music and like, Oh yeah. You come in on stage and like, like, like a Joan jet or like, you know, yeah. you come in with an attitude. Like it doesn't matter. I'm here and I can, I can stand up with any of these people and I can kick ass, you know, exactly. like PJ Harvey, like PJ exactly. Harvey can show up glammed out or she can show up. I'm yeah. a punk rocker. Like it doesn't <laughs> really matter to me either way. Cause she is, she can show mm -hmm. up. Like a Liz Fair, you know, Liz Fair can show up on stage and, and you know just blow everybody out because totally. she's just an awesome songwriter. And, mm -hmm. and I always respected, you know, like even if I, you know, I, I get into like you know, my old school stuff, but um, the Blake Babies uh, and uh, Juliana Hatfield, I always liked the fact that she just went out there and yeah. just did her. And sometimes she did do herself and she's kind of not clammed out. And she's yeah. more kind of understated. And then when she wanted to, she'd glam out. It's like, I, I, feel, I felt like wearing something glam and, and she did, but didn't yeah. really matter because she's just a substantial songwriter. Yeah. And, if and she I think she chooses to come out there. However, it's like, I'm, I'm not there to, for how she's going to present. I like how she presents her songs. Yeah. You yeah. I, and, I'm there and for that's, the music. I think that's the most <laughs> important part. You know, like I get excited because I, I like to think about, like, okay, what am I going to wear? Like, I like to, imagine like how the show is going to go and like you know visualize and all that stuff so it's like that's part of it for me um but I think at the end of the day it's like it, yeah it doesn't really matter what I wear like I think it's really just I want to give it the best performance that I have you know I think it's the attitude me, so, I think it's yeah. your attitude it's kind of like how, how you approach it like if you come out there like just having a punk aesthetic like or having like a glam aesthetic, it would be like a Bowie. Bowie mm -hmm. would show up at Ziggy Stardust and he would stay in character. Yep. Even after he got off the stage, he's like a character actor. He would stay at. He st I heard he stayed like Ziggy, like the whole time <laughs> he was Ziggy. He he just you kind see of, my poster over leave. here. 
So you start. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He just he just gonna live zig. You know, and he had yep. a habit of getting into like if he was in the thin white duke, then he was the thin white duke like all the time. I mean, some people yeah. you know do that, but they don't do it. But I think it's just the fact that you like how you choose to be an artist. If you want to be like a character, like a method actor. Yeah. As a musician, you know, musicians can kind of operate in in a method acting way. They oh, can, totally. They can, you know, once they're in tour mode, like Prince during like a certain like the the sign of the times era, he had this whole thing with the Camille character he created was like a female version of himself, and he would just have this kind of dichotomy of being yeah. a Gemini. That he was going back and forth with it between like the Black album and and his other ideas that he had, and he would just kind of showed the dichotomy of his his mindset you know sometimes it's like yeah. black and white sometimes like love, love love and hate you know bad and he'd like to kind of dive into it and he would go into it like like a total gemini there's the whole thing with gemini and i, yeah. I, I you know people could, you know the fans would they could key in on oh wow he's just doing projecting like this gemini thing through everything yeah and you're like wow he, he's really cool. a brilliant artist like i think um you know, talk about like visualization and just like he would act, you know, I think I heard a story about when before he was famous, he would not go into like certain places because he was like in his mind, he was already famous, but it like it worked, you know, he, he made it like he yeah, blew yeah. up. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's just, I don't know. He self-actualized. Like I think Bowie mm-hmm. did that too. Bowie self-actualized. He ended up becoming, yeah. you know, that Ziggy, like he had not been big at all. Yeah. And then suddenly when he came Ziggy, the whole Ziggy thing kind of turned him into the stratosphere. And it was just a kind of this theatrical thing that, mm-hmm. you know, he tried to be just David Jones and it didn't yeah. work. Nobody bought it. And then he became Ziggy and then it kind of became this thing. It came, the story became like true. They, they yeah. came out of nowhere yeah. and he's a ball on fire. He's like, wow, how did that happen? But he, he worked <laughs> at it. It wasn't from totally. nothing. nothing. He, he worked on it for years. Nobody saw him. And, you know, and then suddenly they see him and they say it came out of nowhere. No, it's a lot of work. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's how it happens. You know, I, I had a coach um, last year who just was reminding me, she's like, you know, what, like, where do you see yourself? Like, okay, who do you have to be to, or who do you have to become to be that person? Like that version of yourself what are they doing and then do that thing mm-hmm. you know and yeah, that's the only way so, to get there <laughs> yeah yeah so i actually i had had a phase where i i wore a really big blonde wig <laughs> not to like <laughs> copy dolly parton but i don't know i was just having fun you know and yeah. um it really brought out this like character in me that i didn't even realize that i had because you know when i put it on i was like this is just you know for fun and then i like became this like Sitsy cute girl just was so excited and happy. Well, that's the thing I don't about know. The stagecraft, <laughs> the stagecraft, you know, we think about Lady Gaga. She, right. she was in New York just being her student work, and then she created a mega version of herself. And, you mm-hmm. know, that's not exactly her. That's this character right. she created. You know, it's a lot like Ziggy, uh, like mm-hmm. a female version of Ziggy. And it's like she was able to self-actualize all that glam but mm-hmm. it's not really her, right? You know, it's like she yeah. just, but but she could be in that role and she can be that person, you know? And I think mm-hmm. a lot of musicians that make it the theatrical, you know, that allows them to present it, they, you know, the ones that really cut through are the ones that just don't just sit there playing, but actually mm-hmm. turn it into an event, right? Turn yep. your, your concert where, it's your personality and your character that's actually drawing people in. It's not just the song, but it's a combination of how you yeah, present. Yeah, the whole experience. You know, like, yeah. like James yeah. Brown was dynamic. He, he presented this like, I am the Godfather, right? So that was his mm. mask was that like he was this hyper Godfather of soul and he carried that off, you know, yeah. but he wasn't just sitting there singing perfect. He had to move around. So maybe the singing wasn't perfect all the time because he's doing all this dancing. But that was mm-hmm. part of the whole stagecraft was like how you know, Hendrix was, I think one time Bill Graham told Hendrix that you're like, you know, you need to like not do all the antics and just play it straight. And so one day, <laughs> like on New Year's Eve in 69, he actually yeah. did a concert 
where he wasn't playing behind his back, wasn't playing with his teeth, and he told Bill Graham, he said, is that good? Is that good? Like, I just played it straight. He said, yeah, that was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. He said, well, the next day I'm going crazy. And he just went and did all the tricks. Oh, because amazing. He's doing that. But it yeah, did kind yeah. of detract from the sound. But it was part of his persona. That he was this yeah. great guitar player, but he liked to have fun with the antics and jumping and flipping and doing all this stuff. And that was, you know, detrimental to the, the, the you know, if he wanted to sound perfect, doing all that's not going to make it sound perfect. It's right. going to drop off direction to add uh, showmanship. And yeah. so I think that yeah. becomes like a balance with all musicians. Like, how far do you balance that? You yeah, know? that was something I definitely was thinking about a lot last summer, because I think we, especially when we would do like, you know, these 45 minute sets when we were only playing original music. I mean, we were just like bringing the energy way up and it was almost like hard to back at all if you know what I mean so yeah yeah so like I'd be like on the floor with my guitar (laughs) I'm just like screaming into the mic and it's like oh man I don't know how good this sounds so I think I finally found like a a balance yeah um because uh you know honestly I don't I don't regret it and I'm just happy that like we can pull off shows like that you know but um well it's all the energy of the moment sometimes like yeah needs that yeah and other times yeah. the moment needs something else it's like you kind of like you give yourself like a lot of times when I talk to you, yeah you know you find out that like you don't like sometimes your stage persona like you after you get off stage you don't even remember that you did stuff right sometimes <laughs> you, get into it, you can kind of get into like a zone where it's like whoa and then you go back and listen to the tape it's like oh wow watch the tape and you're like well I didn't even know I was good going that crazy but you know yeah. that it's kind of like what what it is if you get so into it mm-hmm. it's so driven by like all these things as musicians that you kind of get into a trance of of the moment yeah of the energy of the moment and you get brought into it and there's nothing wrong with that if if you know how to actually you know be able to come down from that and that's probably the biggest problem a lot of yeah. musicians have, have is like they get into those moments and they don't know how to come down from it and yeah, that can yeah, be you gotta ground yourself. <laughs> yeah, find yeah. ways to be able to, to handle yourself, and you know, because it does, you know, you're on and then you're off. It's like that, that drop off can be dangerous if you don't know how to handle it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The the post show uh, blues can be a real thing, you know. But I, you know, the past two years, like we've been playing pretty consistently, like about a show a week, and um. I mean, I'm just so grateful because I think it's really helped me to become a better performer and musician. But um, this year, we're trying a different strategy and just trying to be more selective, you know. So that way, one, I can focus on mm-hmm. writing and recording, um, but also just to make those shows a little more special. Um, but I wonder, you know. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to burn yourself like, out on the road. Some road managers yeah. will have you going like to the point where you're they burn you out. Yeah. Well, and you know, I'm, I'm really grateful that I do have like some side marketing work for that reason, because I don't necessarily have to be playing a show every single night, you know, um, it, it gives me a little bit of a, a steady income (laughs) to help. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we'll see, like I've, uh, this past year has been the first year where I've been really able to to manage both of those things that like the, a happy medium, you know, because I think uh, ideally I'd love to be doing. <laughs> yeah, it, it totally is. I mean, the, the dream would be doing music a hundred percent full time, but honestly, like, I think it took me a while to even get to, to this point, you know? So I'm just, I'm happy. I'm yeah. just seeing where, where things are going to go. And, um, and I think, the biggest thing that I really want to work on is just the craft itself this year. You know, I think the performance stuff we got down, like, I think, um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just, well, I think it's, it's the cool best when you, when, you go on the road, when you go on the road and you actually develop like songs that came from being on the road, because what happens yeah. is, is you become a road going musician. Sometimes the, the, the albums that are conceived from, ro- from being on the road, Right, yeah. that that mm-hmm. material, you know, when your band gels and you actually totally. get good, really, really connected, that the songs you 
play off of the road can be mm-hmm. very powerful because you're you've got your craft and you you know how to engage an audience you've got feedback it's kind of a great experiment because if you can try new material in front of an audience and they dig it and mm-hmm. you perfect it while you're on tour yeah and it can kind of become like a like a really good test come, bed come back record it while it's hot <laughs> yeah because you've totally. got all these ideas and you can see immediately back to it or not and and then yeah. you know you, it inspires you when you're in that unit, you know, putting that stuff together. I always love, you know, COVID yeah. kind of took away that from some bands. You know, they couldn't do that. And now it's cool that bands are able to do that again. Um, yeah, I'm well, especially like you know, sometimes you're still working out the ideas behind a song. So I think I I agree with you 100. You know, to test it out. And um, I mean, I've started my band over like six different times. So to be playing with the same people the past year has just been like a dream, <laughs> you know, cause that we, we did, That's we got great. to that point. Like, like, get the right, we're finding right the songs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Um, cause getting, getting the lineup is, is, is always tricky. I mean, sometimes it doesn't happen right off the bat. Sometimes you gotta yeah. get the right, you know, sometimes you're lucky and you get the, you get the, like, uh, even the Beatles that it wasn't exactly that they had other guys in there, but he passed, you know, it wasn't exactly what you thought it was um yeah. there's a lot of bands that actually had like other members that you just don't know don't know about <laughs> True. yeah before minimized. they get to the point yeah. of the public eye or whatever <laughs> the public eye, you get the guy the full yeah. band everybody got to see but yeah it's just it's just, it's a process to find you know mm-hmm. the right fit it is a is a you know i like i, I think it's like sports like you 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 really is a lot of teamwork in a band because totally. it is it, 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 it the kind of a team kind of thing and it's even different because there's like a lot of unspoken things you know once yeah. you get a band together that's really tight just look at your bass player or looking at the drummer you know, give them that look and then they they know what you mean you know but once you get mm-hmm. into a certain thing it's like just high high and hand coordination you know what you want <laughs> you know they can kind of go where you're going you know totally, that's why i always totally. like i get my band and they actually know where i'm where I'm going, then I'm like, oh, that's the that's Nirvana for me. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, you just lock in, and it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you lock in. The, the bass player locks in, and then yeah, everybody's locked in, and you're like, wow, that's like that's so perfect when that works, you know. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. It's so. It's like the best thing. Yeah, it it really is, and yeah, this just um, since I moved to California, uh, this is like the third iteration of the band the group and uh yeah it feels pretty good so you know we'll see see what happens (laughs) well we look forward we look forward to uh you know seeing your work it's gonna probably be like summer this year or or springtime yeah well so actually csr is out now it came out in november and i shot a music video for it in december so that music video is going to be released in february and next month and then um the oh, first awesome. single off of the ep is called satellite and we just got the mastered version back um this weekend so that's going to come out uh in march and then lonely rider will be <laughs> what are some months? april um and then the, yeah ep will be um may so right spring. before summer we're, we're planning to do some some touring and some shows and stuff so mm-hmm. That's awesome. So, Amy, when out when the EP drops, if you ever want to, you know, do an album release episode and talk about it, let's let us know. Uh, okay, we're into cool. doing that. We've done that with a bunch of other artists we've done before. That kind of have awesome. like a release day, uh, just to kind of give people a picture of the record and stuff. And then and we we can even videos, you know, here we we can actually run the video, you know, okay. excerpts of, or watch you know the whole thing. We've done that before for cool. a lot of other bands, so. Okay. To that, and uh, yeah, that. we want yeah. everybody to check out your link tree. Check out your link tree because it will be clickable when we fully publish. And nice. uh, we always ask people to support every artist. So once you go to that link tree, everywhere you can listen to Courtney McKenna, uh, please do that. Please uh, playlist, uh, download, uh, subscribe, uh, favorite, like. You know, that's how artists today get Absolutely. recognition in the way the systems work. So please make sure you subscribe, like, follow, anything you can purchase, purchase. 
that that's what you do to support artists today. So uh, we do wholeheartedly want you to check out uh, Courtney McKenna and, and, and do that for her. So thank, thank you, you very so much. much for being on the show. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure chatting with you and thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to uh, the follow-up episode. <laughs> well, thank you and have a great night. And uh, we look forward to all your work and uh, we definitely will be pushing it up everywhere that we uh, podcast. Uh, we'll be sending you a landing page for this. So everybody will be able to get everything off of one thing. And awesome. uh, yeah, hopefully uh, out everywhere podcast can be heard uh, by tomorrow. So thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you. And um, yeah, rock on. <laughs> <laughs>